Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Randy, what are you up to today? Art, do you consider it technically that you've moved if you just simply got the boxes off the truck and they're sitting in Yes. Yes, that is you, technically moved. You, you don't have you a don't place have to, to sleep, right? Well, we do have a bed. That was that happened after day two. But I'm in that mode of I need to get dressed every morning and I have to go through different boxes to find the different clean clothes or belts and stuff. Um, I, I swear when we packed it, I, we put everything in boxes with labels. And somehow during the move, none of that mattered. Um, of course not. But uh, yes, we have moved. We're in Kansas City. Um, I am actually at my neighbor's house because we don't get internet installed until tomorrow. It took a week for the internet company to come out. I tried everything I could to finagle. Uh, like As soon as you have a cancellation, come over. And it is not within the cable company's power to take a cancellation and reschedule it on a whim. Like they cannot do that. It seems so right. wasteful because you know there's cancellations from customers and essentially they write off that time instead of, hey, here's a queue of people that you could probably reach out to and get it done. So that didn't happen. And so now I'm at my neighbor and their home um, amongst some interesting artwork and <laughs> I'm using their internet and we're doing this call. But uh, everything has gone well. We had some hiccups along the way. Um, as a, in a CTO, um, the best advice on a business side I can give is get the insurance, get the, get the rental insurance, um, because that saved our tails at one point. But uh, yeah, so let's see. One other update, because I talked about this last week or so in our adventures in interviewing, the company that I gave the feedback to about their data migration got back to me and they said, thanks for your patience. We are re we are reconfiguring our process for which we're going to do the migration. Now, does that mean they listen to me? I don't know. Um, but they said that they're making a major change. So that was like, oh, that's cool. Like, Maybe this is a company that can take feedback. But the second part of their email was, we're going to redo the test and have and ask you to take that test to see if we want to hire you. <laughs> <laughs> and I emailed them and just said, I'm going to politely decline. I have a body of work that shows what I can do. I would advise you to quit taking all of this valuable time and focus in creating tests and just have whoever is doing that learn how to do the freaking job in the same amount of time and then be able to work with your databases better over the long haul. Like right. build your internal team instead of creating, taking your time, creating tests to add people. Right. And I'm not trying to shame the company. I'm not going to name them. And I, but I, I think there's a lesson here in that if you don't trust someone's background um, when like what they say they've done, you've got a problem right there with hiring them. If you need them to take a test that proves they can do a task 
when they when they've told you I have migrated databases and you can call the previous boss and ask them how it went and you're not willing to take that but you want them to take a test which means you then have to prepare a test you have to take someone on your team and like they have to take time out of their day and they're going to lose this focus and they're not going to be working on your product you are complete your strategy for hiring is completely messed up you right. must you must th- rethink your strategy here because you're wasting valuable employee time one way or the other. And I don't know. It could be coming from the top down. The CEO likes this kind of thing or the CTO um, feels this is important. But I can't imagine that there's anything more important on working on your product and team, creating tests to see who is worthy to join versus hiring an experienced person that's done it before and not doing a test to prove it. But anyway, that was, that's, was my, that's my update. Um, there's probably some other lessons about preparation um, for a move and a big change that I've learned <laughs> that I didn't do <laughs> very well. So um, yeah, we can talk about that another day, but what is going on in your world and what do you want to talk about today? Well, the, 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 the whole process of moving, unless you do it regularly, you, yeah. you, you, the, the, all those processes and procedures go away in your brain as far as what you're supposed to do. So then you have to start Googling best way to label boxes and things like that. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I, it, you'll find your stuff eventually, um, maybe the next time you move. So. Yep. Um, so anyway, what, uh, on my side, um, was able to, so, uh, don't know, we've talked about it much here, uh, was able to take what I had been writing a node JS script for, um, which was essentially, um, fill out a form, make it generate a PDF, make it update a Trello card and email it to a technician. Uh, I was running into some trouble getting all that to work, especially with the OneDrive tie-in, uploading that yeah. file to OneDrive. Um, but within one week's time, I got it working just fine in Zapier. So yeah. uh, that, that that's a great lesson there. That I, again, a quasi-buy versus build decision there um, because it's it's working and the team's using it. And I, Now, it has some limitations, and those limitations yeah. are not solvable in Zapier. It, it literally mm-hmm. says you can't do this. Um, so that means I either have to live with the limitation or go back to writing my own. But in the, at least yeah. in the meantime, the team, I've taken what was clerical work and it yeah. took five to 10 minutes for a team member to do it. It's down to two minutes. Boom. And, and that's, that's, if they're doing 10 of these a day, that's significant. That's an hour's worth of gain right there. Yeah. Um, and it give it takes away the feeling of, I'm just doing clerical stuff. Anybody can do this. It, it increases the level of skill of what they do um, yeah. in their time. So uh, that was an important uh, win there. Um, what I what what I think we'll we'll discuss today. We talked about last time or or time before was uh, within Aspire Edu. We were going we were working on um, 
open sourcing a small piece of code that uh, yeah. that our our team put together. So they were the the way that this. Um, I, I'll briefly describe what it does. Um, it essentially will stop a migration in Django if something else is running. Okay, so we would run into trouble running migrations in Django because something else was running. Um, so this is a, a, a little piece of code that'll take it and say, is anything else running? No. Okay, go on. Um, which saves our team time. And, and we're like, hey, we'll just throw this out there and it'll probably get some usage. So, um, but really less, less the technical detail and more about the process of deciding to open source something um, from a company standpoint. So... The, the, when, when the developer came to me and said, I'd like to open source this piece of code, um, the first question was, what does it do? The second question was, does it involve any business logic that is specific yeah. to us? Yeah. Um, and, and once you make the determination that it doesn't, um, then you you sit then then the worthiness questions come out. Is anybody else really going to use this? Um, if we open source it, what what kind of support are we going to give on it? So because yeah. once you once you release code out there, there is a level of expectation that if somebody puts a pull request against it, you should be in a place to look, at least look and evaluate it. Um, you may decide, and what we're going to decide to do is we'll look at them when the, those pull release, those pull requests come in, but we, we're not necessarily going to merge them immediately. Um, it's more yeah. of a, let's package them. Let's, let's maybe look, do this once a month. Um, that sort of thing, because it's not a significant piece of code. It's a hundred lines of code. Um, so there's, there's not a lot there. Um, we, the, the first thing I did is I went to the, to the CEO and said, Hey, this is what we want to do. We want to do this because we've been using Django for our software for so long. Um, yeah. this is one minor way to give back. Um, and, and really that it was actually a very quick decision. It was. It was the same questions I just went over. It doesn't involve our code at all, our business logic at all. Um, then, let, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So, so, so I, I, what I've heard so far in your decision making is one: is it proprietary for the business in any way? Is there any sensitive information that's in the code base? Um, is it unique strictly to your company, so that a competitor would? gain significant advantage competitively um two would be what level of support do you want to provide three what i haven't heard is three which is risk management or licensing that's what exactly what excellent segue okay <laughs> so that's what i'm concerned with on the discussion Sure. So, so we, we did, we, um, we started to look at licenses. Um, so 
The first there, just so everybody's aware, there is a website called choosealicense.com and it's, mm. it's created by GitHub, um, to help you choose a license. Um, the Django project itself, I want to make sure, um, make sure of this. I'm going to look it up uh, while I'm talking. The Django project itself is on BS, the BSD license. Okay. Um, BSD is actually going away as far as something that people for the most part use a lot of, um, I, and this was the BSD and there's a special phrase for it. Um, and and I'm not going to find it right off, but it was like the BSD three, three phrase license. And, and that, that's meant to keep it somewhat simple. Um, I know there was some backlash um on react's open source license um and it Hmm. was based on bsd if i remember right um but for the most part the choices that are on this choose a license come down to the mit license which is very straightforward um it allows people to do just about anything they want with the project so as long as Mm -hmm. you don't care what people do with it mit is the best thing um the other one is the new GPL license, new as in GNU GPL license, version three. Um, this allows people to do anything they want, but they can't distribute closed source versions of it. So if they make changes, they must publish those changes in open source. Um, so this, this uh, prevents them from taking your stuff making making it better and going out there and redistributing as something closed um if they're going to do that then they've got to keep it open so those are the two main ones that are on this page the other option is what does the community that you're serving use um and in our case we're using django so we looked at bsd as well um that what we heard in, in, in our research is that BSD is kind of, kind of on the outs. Um, MIT, the MIT license, like I said, is essentially do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. And I could not sit here and say that there was anything that we felt, um, we felt we needed to be protected from the, the license itself uh, allows you to do anything it, in in all caps. It says the software is provided as is, without warranty, and in no That's event key. in no <laughs> event shall the authors be liable. So it's it's right there in big print. And once I saw that, I was like, I don't I don't see any concern with using this license. Um, yeah, it it completely leaves things open and seems to completely protect us from any liability if someone were to use it and something happened when they used it. Yeah. Um, Which was, which was the more important concern that I had, which was the liability. Mm -hmm. Um, The, uh, the only feedback I got when I shared this license with the CEO is the part where it says, let me find it. Um, so that permission is granted and I'm, I'm, clipping phrases here permission is granted without limitation 
to sell copies of the software. So what the CEO saw was, why are we allowing people to sell copies of, of what we're putting out there? Mm-hmm. And the way I described it is I described, I'm like, if, if that phrase wasn't in the Django um, open source project or in the Python open source project, we literally could not sell our services. We couldn't sell our system. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's just very much part of it. I'm like, I said, listen, nobody's going to take what we can, these hundred lines of code and turn around and make hundreds of dollars off it by selling it. It, it literally won't happen. But that's why that phraseology is in there. So yeah, um, once we worked through that, we were we were in good shape as far as the license goes. I'm trying to think of anything else. I mean the the support issue is a big deal. The I guess the other side is the promotion of it. Like this is an opportunity because. You said in the past that you are, you know, if you need to find another Django developer, it can be difficult in Orlando. And, you know, there's something to be said for a company that publishes their very first open source code um, to the community. And maybe there's some PR that can result mainly so that the community knows, hey, we are a company that does Django and we are we're making our first step to contribute back. Right. And it's not, it's not to like make money, but it may be to say, if you are a developer with Django skills and you would like, would like to build things for our company and perhaps open source, we are a possible place to work. Yeah. It, it, it certainly is a consideration. Um, I will say that, it's going to be hard for us to to promote that too heavily when when we go out there and and look for developers because we've got you know thousands and tens of thousands of lines of code and we just let out a little hundred piece hundred line slice um, and and it's not like we're actively looking for other pieces to outsource um, yeah but think of, but here's a, I know you're downplaying it but here's the thing majority like what maybe ninety percent eighty percent of companies have never published anything back. Yeah, that's like, fair. I haven't. That's fair. And you, you have to start somewhere. Like they say in the open source community that a developer's first step is to basically get that one, that first PR, the first pull request pushed through, whether it's documentation, notes in the README, anything that that is your first step. And that first step is crucial because usually it follows other steps. Right. And so my point is that your company just made its first step in contributing back to solve a problem that you all were having that I would assume many companies have faced. And it's not insignificant is all I can say. I think it's a good step for a company. And I don't want to downplay it too much. Um, because it, it, it is good. I'm, I'm glad we were doing it. I'm glad we're, we're, we're working on it. Um, I also, I, I just know where it sits within the, um, the framework of everything we do, right? It's not like we're, sure. we're giving him two weeks to go out and package everything together. Uh, it's more, 
yeah, you can do it, but make sure it doesn't come before everything else that we got to do for the company. So, um, which is, which is a reasonable thing to say. Um, but here's the thing, kudos to the executive team, like your CEO, this is, I would say the majority of open source that we haven't seen that's been proposed gets squashed at the non-technical exec level. Sure. Because it just doesn't make sense. Why would we release any of our code for free? We paid for that person to do it. Keep it away from our competitors, blah, blah, blah. I know like you had to go and talk to your executive and get her buy-in. Right. And she did buy-in. Yeah. So that's another part that's kind of unspoken in open source of why are people not doing it? Well, usually it's not because the developers don't want to. It's because it gets squashed at a level of business. And so you were able to do that. And you could do it again. So I, what I want to promote is that your for, first step is one that other companies should think about more like tech leaders should say, these are the things we need to do. It may not be a big deal to get it done, but it's a big deal to get started and to promote it in your company, in your work, in your culture, because yeah, your company is sitting on a ton of open source code built before you. And it's nice to, to pay back. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I think it's a big first step, you know, maybe it doesn't need champagne, but it sure needs a pat on the back um, round of applause type of thing, because so many places don't even do that at all. Well, um, well, we'll take, we'll take the international podcast pat on the back that you just gave. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I had actually worked for a company previously uh, at media current who, who was yeah. a Drupal consultancy. Um, and one of the initiatives I promoted while we were there, while I was there, and I've seen it grown since I've left, is is give back. Um, we 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 set aside ten or ten, and I think it grew to twenty hours a month for everybody to do something within the Drupal community. Um, wow! Per person, um, and and we we had we actually had standups for it. Um, every couple of weeks we'd have standups on what are you working on? What can, what can you, uh, what do you need help with? That sort of thing. Uh, I, I in yeah. no way promote that we sh- that companies should do that on a regular basis. That's a, that's a huge investment in, in human capital. Um, media yeah. current felt it was important to give back because the company existed literally because of the open source software. Um, so it it was important for them to get back and, and be shown as a leader. Um, so that's, that's the other extreme of all this. So I I think, I think that's pretty much the whole thing is, is identify a piece that doesn't involve business logic. Um, go take a look at the licenses. The licenses can be scary because you're, it's legalese, but they're also very short. They're very, very short. Um, so it, it's not too hard to parse through them and, and make a decision. And this decision has been made literally thousands of times. So it, it's not, it's also not worth overthinking the decision. Um, go take a look, read the licenses, find the one that fits what you want to do best and go with it. Um, these are proven licenses for the most part. 
and then figure out your support plan. Like I said, we're probably going to have very minimal support. Um, it's a it's a minimal piece of code, but we're going to have minimal support. We're we're going to deal with any anything that comes in once a month, and that'll be it. So, yeah. um, I, I think those are the steps to take, and and um, and if we can, we'll do it again um, when we when we identify that piece of code. Well, yeah, I mean, this is one of those things that's it's just not hard for me to debate. Um, I'm sure there's code that you could have that's proprietary that you would debate more. Um, that you could have like, hey, should the, should we do this? What is the, what's the side effects? But I think it's almost I don't want to talk too much more about it because I don't want to make this to be a bigger deal than I think it is in the yeah. sense of the steps you the steps you need to take to open source something. I truly would love to do that. Like I when I took my job at Innovations for Learning, one of the things that I wanted to do was to be building a product that we could open source for other education companies. We never got to that point. I don't know that I would have gotten past the CEO on that one. Um in the sense of his feelings about proprietary code. But um, I just feel like we, our whole business, um, the startup business, the independent developer business, there's no way that we could do any of this by ourselves um, from scratch. Like we use so many tools that have been worked on for almost two decades, Um, you know, and the people hours to get it done is probably probably bigger than that. And I just feel like it's something that will keep our community going stronger. And on the other side, you have Microsoft, which under um, Bomber was just a horrible um, company around open source. I mean, they were taking legal maneuvers to squash it. And now they are embracing it beyond what almost any other company has done recently. So I just feel like it's something that we, that developer leaders, leaders in technology, if you're, if you're utilizing open source for your products, and if you, and if you've touched on any of the JavaScript frameworks you have, I think this is a really important thing to pay attention to um, for the, for what your company is producing and can you share and give back? But I don't think it's financial. I think recruiting-wise, it's a big win. I think that you can get great developers who respect open source. And when they see you doing it as a company, that tells them a little bit about your values. For sure. And I think it's worthwhile to consider for things that your developers are working on. Um, So that's all I got. Yeah. So I think I need to let you go and and do more unpacking, um, so that yes. you can find tomorrow's outfit. This was this was fun though compared to the compared to the unpacking. So <laughs> I, I thank I, you. <laughs> I also I also think I need to get you off because I, I you never actually said you're in your neighbor's house with their permission using their Wi-Fi. So I don't know if we get, need to rush you out of there before they come home. <laughs> they are working. They are not here, and I am here. So yes, you could. That could be a worthwhile question. But I did let them know I was here. <laughs> I did not good. get a response back yet. So <laughs> that's, 
that's the uh, rub of that. So we'll see. Very good. All right. Very good. Go get uh, go get unpacked, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Later. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. Thank you.